Hey everyone, my name is Mohamed Asadullah and I'm your host for Freelance Canada, a show about what it's really like to freelance in Canada. Each week I interview Canadian freelancers and industry experts as they get candid about the ever-challenging, always exciting, and sometimes hilarious aspects of freelancing. November is Financial Literacy Month in Canada. Throughout the month, organizations from across the country are encouraged to share resources that can help Canadians make better decisions about their finances. To celebrate Financial Literacy Month, all of our episodes in November will explore financial topics that can enable Canadian freelancers to build a better relationship with money. As you reflect on your finances this month, please send us your questions on Twitter and Instagram at BetterWithBenji. We'd love to hear from you. On the show today, I'm going to talk to Enoch Omolulu. Enoch is a veterinarian by day and a resident personal finance expert by night. His blog, Seven New Canadians, is dedicated to discussing personal finance topics relevant to new Canadians. With a master's degree in finance and investment management from the University of Aberdeen Business School, Enoch has a passion for helping others achieve their financial goals and has been featured in a number of personal finance publications. In this episode, Enoch and I talk about how Canadian freelancers can review their financial goals and start building an investment portfolio towards a better future. So let's get to it. Let's get started. And I'm super excited to learn from you and dive into this a little bit more as to talking and understanding investing, especially from a freelancer lens. So why don't we start by understanding what is it that you do as a freelancer? On the freelancing side, I am a personal finance blogger. And in addition to that, I also do some freelance writing uh, for clients and pretty much anybody who wants something written in the personal finance uh, realm. And how did you get started on it? Were you just like, hey, I'm going to start writing and I'm going to write about finances? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I think think it goes back a bit further than that. I've always been having a side gig or something to make money on the side forever, really. Starting from college where I did all kinds of retailing and got into uh, doing phone repairs and writing and just all kinds of stuff to make ends meet. So that's just been part of me for forever. Uh, So my latest gig, which is the blogging, the freelance writing, is just something I got into once I had some free time and I decided to turn it into a money-making venture. And that's how I got into this. (laughs) Okay. It sounds too simple. Walk me through this. So you started writing, you had some free time, you set up a blog. Did you know right off the bat that you were going to talk about personal finances? And you could have talked about personal finances as a whole, but you chose to, of course, focus on the Canadian market. Walk me through each of those decisions. Like, How did you come to be like, hey, I'm going to start savvy new Canadians and that's going to be talking about personal finances within Canada and ensuring that Canadians have better insights, better knowledge, better understanding of what options are available to them. Yeah. So initially, actually back in 2012, I, I was doing a master's degree in, in economics. Mm-hmm. And at, at the time, I just wanted to write about what I was learning and write about my trading adventures. At, at the time, I, I was doing some day trading. So I just wanted to kind of document those things. So I started a blog back then. That was uh, a different blog. 
And then once I lost my interest in that, <laughs> in, that, in, that, in, that, in that blog, I just, you write on and on for six months, nine months. Uh, the, the subject matter got tiring and I wasn't actually doing too well with day trading. So there was not really, really much to talk about at some point. And then at that point in time as well, I was still fairly new in Canada. So I was just about, just over a year. So I started looking at other things that I should get into. So TFSAs, RRSPs, those were new topics to me. I was just learning about them. And then I decided, well, I'm getting tired of writing about day trading and writing about the futures markets and the e-minis and all of that stuff. Why don't I just start writing about Canadian personal finance? One, for me to summarize what I am learning about it. And then secondly, maybe I can redirect people who are asking me questions about what should I put my investing money in? What's the TFSA about? Hey, I'm referring to other newcomers to Canada. So at that point, I was trying to essentially reach two goals with one project, teach myself and then see if I can use it to help others as well. So that's how Saving New Canadians actually began in the fall of 2016. So once I kind of got into that writing, 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 of course, opportunities present themselves uh, often in, in work clothes. So I saw an opportunity to take it a bit further and monetize the blog as a means of income as well as a, a means of reaching out to teaching others about personal finances in Canada. So really that's how Savvy New Canadians began. And then for the freelance writing, again, that was a natural evolution of the blog just doing much better and people reaching out for essentially asking me, are you willing to write for a fee? And I took it up from there. So you started writing the blog and when anyone starts a blog, you can only have so many articles to get started. Did you create like 10 or I don't know, however many articles before you launched the blog or were you just like, I'm going to launch this blog and I'm going to have one post and I'm going to go from there. Like, what was that inception like? So I wasn't prepared for the inception. I, like, I wasn't super prepared to launch dates, 10 articles, all of that. No, because like, like I mentioned earlier, I had already had all these blogging rodeos in the past. And what happens is you get stymied trying to over-prepare. Mm-hmm. And once you launch it, you basically run, run out of steam. So for serving new Canadians, I actually built it from the ground up back then, just using a, a free theme initially, like a, a free blogging theme initially based on WordPress. And I was writing as I was building it. So I started out with just one one article and that was the About Me page. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so over time, I, I still remember having to clean out all the dummy pages through the first year because Google essentially took those pages and put them online, even though they were all dummy pages with dummy texts. <laughs> and I, just because I, 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 I wasn't so, so interested in cleaning them out initially. I, I was just writing, publishing and building the site. So it was an ultimate really at, at the beginning. And so how far into writing and getting Avenue Canadians up, did you start seeing people coming in or did you start promoting it somewhere? Did you go into like Personal Finance Canada, Reddit and start sharing your articles there? Like what was, what was that initial <laughs> traction like? There was no traction for months. I think maybe the first few visitors uh, started around three months mark. And then 
he decided to go up from there, just trickling in until about the 10 month mark where I, I remember going viral for, I think it was, it was an article on mortgages or something like that. And that's where the, the traffic started coming at around the one year mark. Mm. Before then, it was just me writing pretty much. I gave myself a target, write one, at least once a week. So at least publish four posts a, a month. And often I actually did way, way more than that, but that was my minimum. Four posts per month, one per week, and just keep writing. This is for the long haul. And so you're writing at least one article a week, if not more. One year mark comes up, October 27, 2017 comes around. You have an article about mortgages that goes viral. And then what happens? At what point did you start monetizing the blog and how did you monetize it? So the monetization actually was around the one year mark as well. And I think having that viral post was what really gave me the confidence to start monetizing. Hmm. Initially, I started out with Google AdSense. So that's just ads served through the Google platform and on the website. And that was pretty much it. Over time, the bloggers basically diverted into other methods of monetizing. So you have like affiliate links, advertising, and yeah, it's, it's grown uh, a lot, but initially it was all <laughs> taking things slow. And I, I suppose since then, I mean, you've been on quite the growth stream, I would say, and it's been very interesting to have a personal finance writer that is also not in Toronto or Ontario even. And, and I wonder how has that been? Do you find you have a different perspective when you're approaching personal finance living in Alberta, if I recall correctly? Winnipeg, actually. Oh, Winnipeg. Sorry. A much smaller place than Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> Even smaller. Great. Even smaller. <laughs> do you find that your thought process is a little bit different or do you think it's all the same just because everything is online now? So it's not that much disconnected. I think it's the same in, in the sense that everybody's basically getting their opinions and ideas really from the same places. That said, I think it's a bit tougher when you are in a place like Winnipeg, for example, where you are really off the radar for most people and you get a lot less free publicity to start. You get a lot less uh, opportunities to network with people who are just around your area who are close by, who you meet in the same meeting points, like conferences or stuff like that. It's, it's a, a bit more challenging just because you are really on your own. So it takes a lot more de determination to push things through. And going back to something you said before about day trading and futures, and obviously you realized that that was not for you. At what point did you switch over from doing day trading and futures to focusing on actual investing for the long run? So that again was more so around the time I, it was between the intervening period of 2012 and 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, so between 2012 and 2016, I underwent a lot of learnings about investing in a more specific sense. Like previously, I, I understood investing in general, but, but I, I think I was more, more so interested in eating it big. And that often comes with people who, who day trade. You want to really eat, eat it big and make quick money in, in, the, in the financial markets. Mm -hmm. Often it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, to, to be. It's, 
it's very high risk. There are more losers than winners. And if you don't really get yourself on track on time, you could lose your shirt. <laughs> so between 2012 and 2016, which is around the time I actually blogged about day trading, I kind of realized that I needed to focus more on longer term investing. And that comes with also having a child, getting married and all of that. <laughs> so that four year period, I think was my transition from alternative, non-traditional investing to more so traditional, asshole free, safer and more, in my opinion, more profitable investing uh, strategies. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons also why I started writing about things like TFSAs and RRSPs. In the past, I wouldn't have thought about them too much because I was more interested in taxable accounts, personal taxable accounts, non-registered, just investing and cashing in as, as quickly as I can. So now, you know, you've had this sort of shift in your mindset in terms of how you want to invest. You, you are writing about personal finance on your blog, Avenue Canadians. You're starting to get quite a bit of traction from all sorts. You're monetizing. I'm sure over the course of the past four years now, you've likely come across people, uh, especially self-employed people who perhaps have a misconception about investing. I'd love to know what are the misconceptions that Canadian freelancers tend to have about investing? Misconceptions in the investing world, and it it applies to to not just the freelancers, really. It's a widespread problem. It's a pandemic in its own sense. So some of the misconceptions actually would include things like people just feeling they don't have enough money to spare to invest. So that's one, one of the most common things I come across is people just feel, you know what, I, I would have to delay investing till later when I start making the big bucks. <laughs> That's the problem because one is time is not on your side. Time is on your side when you start investing today. Uh, when you delay, it doesn't matter how much you are going to invest in the future, time would work against you. So what I tell people is start with what you have. If it's five bucks, five bucks per week, five bucks per day, whatever it is, the compounding returns over time, like the time value of money and the compounding returns over time can make even your small uh, investments a lot bigger in the future. The other thing I also come across is uh, or mis- misconception is people it's too risky. Mm. There's risky out there. And I, I know about risky because I have traded. I like fast moving <laughs> E-mini futures, losing thousands of dollars in a day. <laughs> Mm. All gaining thousands of dollars in a day. So I know about risk, but the thing is, there's no return without taking some risks. So if you're looking for getting any return or in- increasing your net worth, you should be taking some risks. And that includes investment risks in the, in the financial markets. Something else people also feel is I don't have the time. It takes a lot of research, analysis to make money in the financial market. I just don't have the time. Again, you don't need or to put in a lot of time uh, to invest. You should be maximizing the other opportunities out there that are already basically prepackaged for you to invest. You don't have to do all the research on your own. You don't have to understand these individual stocks. One concept in investing actually is to invest in what you understand. So if you don't understand 
those assets anyway, then you should be using the services of those who understand those things so that you can save your time and expend it elsewhere. Again, that also uh, goes into the other misconception, which is the knowledge. I don't have the knowledge. It's a lot of jargon. It's complicated. Use the services of those who have done the work already and leverage on that. Sometimes I come across those who feel they are too young. I, I can think about investing, saving for retirement in the next five years, 10 years, when I get married, mm-hmm. when I'm older, start now. Use compounding interest to your advantage. It's, they say it's... Um, the eighth wonder. Exactly. <laughs> you got that right on there. So it's the eighth wonder in, in the world. Why don't you use it to your advantage? Let it work for you on the back end. And you will be surprised how much you can actually gain just using time to your advantage. Just the years passing by and your money just keeps increasing year on year into the future. And then the last thing that comes to mind is people think, you know what, I'm going to lose money. Well, that's the reality. That's life. Uh, you may lose money and the, the risk of losing money is actually what exposes you to the potential of making a lot more money uh, by investing in the financial markets. And... I suppose looking at all these misconceptions and feeling overwhelmed by all these choices, but then all these decisions and then all these concerns and so much going on, what are some small steps Canadian freelancers can take to get started with investing? So I I think the the first step is to start, and that would include doing some research into what's available out there. So, for example, in, in Canada, we have the tax-free savings account. That account doesn't need you to have earned money to actually invest in it. But as a freelancer, you're making some money. Maybe not a lot, maybe a lot. But the, the TFSA is open to every, everyone. So you, you can start investing using a, a TFSA account. What that means is you get a contribution room every uh, year uh, for 2020. The maximum contribution uh, limit for the TFSA is $6,000. Uh, freelancers who have been eligible to invest in a TFSA since its inception in 2009 have at least a total contribution room of $69,500. So start with an account like the TFSA. Your returns are tax-free for life. Now, what can you invest in your TFSA? You can look at all kinds of investments. Start with the simplest form of investing, which would be just going to your bank, and sign up for a mutual fund. Alternatively, you can look for other fee-friendly investments like index funds, robo-advisors. If you have the, the time and the knowledge and the confidence, you can use a discount broker and buy assets directly on brokerage platform. So I tell people, just start. Like trying to get it all perfect from the beginning often leads you just getting bogged down with information and you end up not doing anything. So start with something and then ramp it up from there. In addition to the TFSA, you also have the, the Registered Retirement Savings Plan, which is the RRSP for short. So if you are earning income, you get a contribution room for your RRSP every year, 18% of your earned income up to a maximum. If you've maxed out your TFSA, use your RRSP, invest in that. I mean, there, there are nuances in the RRSP versus the TFSA, where one may be better than the other. But you know what? For beginners, don't get yourself too bogged down. Invest in one account. Start with a registered account. Mm-hmm. And 
Walk me through the complexity of it. People listening to this, they will think, do I go to my bank? Do I look into this online to kind of like find the best rate of which RRSB is the best one and which bank or service provider has it? What are some resources perhaps that Canadian freelancers can look at to get an understanding of like, okay, here's where I think I can get started with an investment account? Well, you know what? That's why I am here. And if... <laughs> Really, any freelancer who actually wants to know what what account to invest in, just simply visit sabinewcanadians.com. Like, it's all there, I can promise you that. On the, most, <laughs> on the most serious note, really, I think your question is valid, and I get it a lot. From newcomers, from people who have been here all their lives, I get that, that question a lot. Where do I start from? So, for example, let's, let's take the TFSA. You have all kinds of accounts you can open with your TFSA. You have the mutual fund account. Just get onto your bank's website, book an appointment with a financial advisor, an investment advisor. They're going to ask you some questions, KYC, to test your risk tolerance, your investment objectives, your investment horizon, like the time frame when you are going to need your money. And then based on your answers, they recommend a portfolio uh, for you. Now, if you want to actually save some money because mutual funds can be a bit ex expensive, you can visit a bank like Tangerine. They have investment funds that are, we call them like index funds. They're just slightly cheaper because there's less activity going on there. And you can get all of this done online. You don't have to actually walk into any branch. The same thing happens. You go through a questionnaire online. It assesses your risk tolerance, your investment needs, and recommends a portfolio for you. Now you can even make your life much more simpler. Go with a robo-advisor. Same process slightly cheaper, take you through the online questionnaire, recommend a portfolio for you. Now, if you're actually wanting to step it up a bit, then you can also, also try and learn about analyzing stocks, analyzing ETFs, taking a look at what, what their returns performance is over time and all of that stuff and going to dividend investing, buy stocks on a brokerage platform. There's lots of them in Canada, discount brokerage platforms like World Simple Trade, Cash Trade, this save you even more money if you know what you're doing. So a combination of these or just one of them uh, works in your TFSA account. The same applies to an RRSP. And you can even start with a savings account that is just a TFSA savings account, like in the sense of savings. So just money in the account earning interest. The thing is, start from somewhere. Don't just stick the money in your check-ins and it goes in, it goes out. It's not growing. It's not getting you any returns. And of those options that you mentioned, there was about four. So one was go to your bank, have your uh, bank rep open up an account for you and get you started. And that'll likely be a mutual fund. Yes. The second option was going to a service like Tangerine that has a brokerage account and purchasing ETFs or similar products yourself. The third option was robo-advisors and having them put your investing on autopilot. And then the fourth option was learning to invest yourself. Did, did I capture all those right? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay, yes. so of those four options, which one is the no-brainer to, to get me started in less than an hour? So I, I call the robo-advisors the middle ground. Mm. So they are essentially the middle point between traditional investing and do-it-yourself. A robo-advisor is for the purposes of simplicity, 
what anyone can actually get into. You go online. You don't have to actually speak to anyone at all, ever. Go online, sign up there, go through the questionnaire, transfer funds from your bank account, get invested, just watch your account grow. You don't have to think about <laughs> rebalancing. Okay, is, are, are my asset allocations off track? Do I need to buy more of this? Do I need to buy more of that? You don't have to think of all of that. These services are providing the financial advice. They're doing the rebalancing. They are doing the market research. And essentially, they're actually mostly passive. So even they are not doing a lot of work. It's set up by default to simply track the market. If the market goes up, your funds go up. Market goes down. Well, sorry, your funds also go down, <laughs> but that's that's the reality of, of investing. It just in and out, in and out. Over time, you are making money because historically, the markets always trend up. Yes, up and to the right. Yeah. And so here I am, I've got maybe, let's say, $10 per week that I want to contribute because I'm no longer going to that coffee shop I like. And so I decided I'm going to go to Seven New Canadians. I'm going to look up investing section, scroll down to Robo Advisors. And from there, I'm going to pick one that makes the most sense for me. And now I create an account. I start my weekly contributions of $10 per week, about $520 per year year and I just watch my money grow maybe slowly sometimes than others but it's growing and the eighth wonder of the world compounding interest is going to work in my favor over the next 30 40 however many years did I capture all of that right yes you did perfectly (laughs) (laughs) perfect no that's in a nutshell really it's just wait for the wonders to happen right so now that I've started investing my money's working for me Investing is on autopilot. Okay, I'm not thinking much about it. But at the same time, let's say stuff like March happens where all the stocks are falling. S&P is down by Mm. 600%. Gold Mm. is up high. Everyone is just like noise, right? Yeah. What happens? What do I do? Like, What are some mistakes freelancers make or people make when it comes to investing? So the first thing is don't try to predict the market. That doesn't try it. Like the market does what it wants. You have all kinds of talking ads on radio, on TV, all making uh, predictions here and there. You know what? They are all wrong, more so than uh, when they are right. And they don't really know because if they did know, they wouldn't be telling you. They will be taking advantage themselves. <laughs> so yeah, like so re- really, when it comes to the financial markets, you want to tune out every everything. Like I, I rarely visit my portfolio, maybe four times a year, five, maybe. I don't care what's going on in the financial markets. Once you set up right from the beginning, it's set and forget. So keep things simple. Don't start off with assets or trading strategies that actually make your blood pressure run all day long. <laughs> and when I say that, I'm referring to day trading. Like I, I think I was just living off the highs back, back in the day, the ad- adrenaline junkie. Markets are going up and you're like, ooh, it's it's great today. And then the <laughs> next day you're basically down to hurt and like feeling all depressed because you lost everything. So avoid things like day trading when you can. Some people make it in day trading. It's not a lot of people. It's like the 1% really. The other thing you want to also look out for is 
avoid paying high fees. Mm. So I can show you the evolution of my own trading. So initially I, I, I was a day trader. And then once I kind of came to reality that, you know what, this is not going to take me anywhere, not in the near term and maybe not in the long term, I moved over to mutual funds. So went to my bank, opened a mutual fund account, and I was just putting money in there. Back then, I, I was around 2013-ish. I remember I was paying around 2.35% mm. in fees on that particular growth account I had then. Jeez. So... At that point in time, I wasn't willing to spend any time thinking about investing. I basically <laughs> got burned. So I was like, just put money in there. Forget about it. <laughs> then I started learning about personal finances. And I'm, okay, you know what? I can actually cut this down. Then I moved to an index fund with Tangerine. I was paying 1.07%. Mm. And then I had more time on my hands at some point. So I started digging more into, into this stuff. And then I moved my funds into a one-ticket fund. So most of my portfolio right now is in one ticket funds. And what that means is you're buying an ETF portfolio that essentially doesn't need rebalancing, doesn't need all of this trying to allocate assets and, and, and stuff like that. It's already set up to be in line with your investment objectives, your risk tolerance and your time frame. So that was the evolution for me. I also trade in individual stocks, dividend stocks, but uh, to, to a minimum. So. To make my point, keep things simple. Mm. Avoid high fees when you can. And that may take some time if you're starting off uh, with mutual funds and then progressing as you kind of get more comfortable with investing or just go straight to a robo-advisor and just save yourself the stress. Right. And also avoid chasing returns. Sometimes you, you, you have people trying to pick stocks. It may work, it may not work. Trying to look for the next thing uh, that's going to blow up and shake the markets and have the highest returns. I also do that, but I use basically my gambling money to do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't use my main assets. It's a negligible portion of my network that goes into non-traditional alternative assets. I don't do that. So things like cryptocurrencies. I wouldn't say someone should not, should not trade cryptocurrencies. Just don't trade it with your retirement funds. Mm. So chasing every new thing that comes up uh, and promises you high returns, you should understand that there's what we call in, in finance, the risk-return trade-off. The higher the risk, the higher the expected returns. The lower the risk, well, the lower the expected return. So if you are chasing something that is promising you 20% returns per year, trust me, the risks are very, very high. You've identified all these risks and there are people that are like, well, Robo-advisor seems like a pretty simple thing. I can get started tomorrow. At the same time, I feel there are people that shouldn't be investing right now and should be allocating their money elsewhere. In your experience, is it good for everyone to just go ahead and invest or are there people that should not be investing at least right now? If you are carrying a credit card debt or any high interest debt, you shouldn't be investing any any funds you can spare should be going towards paying down that balance as soon as possible. Because one thing is, the financial markets will likely not pay you 19.99% per year in returns. <laughs> so it just makes sense for you to try and settle that debt as soon as possible. So yeah, I, what I tell people is, if you have credit card debt or you have a personal loan that is, the interest rate is extremely high, or even medium, like if you're paying 7%, maybe you still want to pay up that debt ASAP. 
then you should probably not consider investing until you've dealt with that. Things like mortgages and the likes, I don't consider those to, to count in this sense. I, I would still say go ahead and invest starting today and continue paying your mortgage rate as you are doing normally as you're required to. And maybe not try to accelerate your payments unless you've maxed out your TFSAs and your RRSPs and then you can amp up your debt payments so that you can get that out of the way as well. But overall, everybody should be investing at some point. And as soon as they can start, the, the better. Because investing essentially is making your money work for you. So you are working to make money, but then investing is you paying yourself back and making money work for you. All right. And we've already covered Savvenue Canadians and that being the uh, launch board for all investment-related articles and information and which tools people should be trying or at least getting started with. Outside of that, I'd love to know what advice you have for Canadian freelancers as they start thinking about investing. My advice is twofold. The first one we, we discussed at length already, which is invest money in a, an investment account so that you can start creating network for yourself and for, for your future. The other aspect to investing is actually investing in yourself as well. And that's one thing I have tried to do all my life, actually. Investing in yourself means you're in, increasing your, your skills, your abilities. You are expanding your horizons so that you can be better. And when, when you are actually much better at what you do, then you can also charge a lot more. You can make a lot more money because I tell my friends, you, get, you can cut your expenses just so much. At the end of the day, if you actually want to improve your finances, you probably want to increase your income. Hmm. So the other aspect to investing in yourself is when you have invested in yourself, then don't shortchange yourself. So for example, I'm a veterinarian by profession, really. But even as a veterinarian, I did take some time out to get a master's degree in finance and investment. That was first and foremost for my own interest. And then secondly, it helps when somebody who has some knowledge, some formal knowledge of, of the subject matter actually talks about it. And so when I have invested that much effort into educating myself, then I, I don't shortchange myself. So I don't write for free. I don't write for cheap. Mm -hmm. So invest in yourself and then ramp up your value as well. Don't shortchange yourself. Charge for the value that you're actually offering. And then the other advice for freelancers is start small and think big. Start with what you have right now, but then think big. You can expand even bigger than what you are right now. Go for your goals, go for your dreams, try and get it done. But I, I, I come across people who just, they should change themselves. It's, well, I'm freelancers. What I get paid is what I get paid. I just have to live with it and manage that. No. I turn down clients all the time. One, because my time is valuable. I have very limited time to actually do anything. And so the next time I actually have to get stuff done, I make sure it's worth my time. So it's, it's a mindset I think people really need to kind of get into. And people feed off of that. They know when you, you don't have much value for yourself and they pay you just as much. And they actually know when you're providing value and when you believe in yourself, the people tend to fall in line when you actually stick to your guns. I like that a lot. Well, Anak, it's been lovely talking to you and learning from you. I really appreciated this conversation. I'd love to know where people can find out more about you and your work online. 
Yeah, so my main presence online is actually through my website at SavvyNeoCanadians.com. I also have social media platforms, and I have to say I'm not very active on them. <laughs> but you, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even Instagram. <laughs> but yeah, like really, if you, if you really want to contact me or get some insights from me, it will be on SavvyNeoCanadians.com. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciated this opportunity to learn from you. You're welcome. Well, that's our show for today. If you liked Freelance Canada, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter by visiting FreelanceCanada.fm. You'll get access to all of my personal notes, as well as book recommendations about the topics discussed in the episode. Now, you will not find any of this on our website, so be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss out. As with most podcasts, you can listen to every episode through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot if you could leave us a five-star review. It would mean even more if you shared our podcast with another freelancer so it can help them in their journey too. Finally, if you're tired of leaving money on the table because you don't know which of your expenses you can write off, then sign up for Benji. You can start your 90-day free trial by visiting betterwithbenji.com because freelance life is better with Benji. Thanks for listening.